Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with spring break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players, start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code RTFP to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to DraftKings Network. You're tuned in to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Guiding your gridiron journey, none other than your host, former NFL lineman, Ross Tucker. Oh, oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a Wisdom Wednesday, getting the wisdom from Nate Tice, who's killing it. Yahoo Athletic, former quarterback at Wisconsin and UCF, the son of former Vikings head coach Mike Tice. Really looking forward to talk with Nate for the first time momentarily. I think you're going to enjoy it. I think I'm going to enjoy it. We are presented, of course, by DraftKings, and we're already two days away. Before you know it, not only will I be making all my picks, but also I'll be giving out winners to somebody that spreads the word by replying to any live stream. We live stream the show now on a bunch of different platforms. Reply with a comment to any live stream. You'll be the spread the word winner. Have a great chance to get one of these amazing press passes. Maybe even one of the ones I get this weekend. Chiefs, Dolphins, Lions playoff game. Are you kidding me? Lions, Rams, home playoff game. Talk about a collector's item. Ross at RossTucker.com. That is the key. Uh, sponsor confirmation email winner. I already told you guys. It's, it's Emery Hunt's draft guide. Football game plan draft guide. Just send me the order after you purchase it. It's only 10 bucks, and it's well, well, well worth it. Ross at RossTucker.com. Love the YouTube shout-out. Just had somebody, just got a notification. I have a cameo uh, shout-out for somebody, a cameo video. They paid for it. You get it for free just by subscribing to YouTube.com slash NFL and making any type of comment on any video. I love doing these for you guys, just like I love... The Big Show. The Big Show. So as promised, I've been looking forward to this interview for a long time for a bunch of different reasons because it kind of goes back all the way to my college days. Uh, And I've actually never even met this guy. I just have followed his career from afar. He's an excellent follow on social media. He's at Nate underscore Tice on Twitter We've had his co-host, Robert Mays, on the show before, maybe a couple times. 
And so they have an awesome show. Well, it's just called the Athletic Football Show, right, Nate? That's it. That it's, it is what it says on the tin. It's just that, that it's a show about football. We we don't overthink it. I love it. I love it. And so it's funny because people make fun of me for me having the Ross Tucker Football Podcast as as opposed to like you know what well, else would it be the Ross Tucker Basket Weaving Podcast? Right. But you're you're when talking I first what it is. Left, it's not false advertising. It's, it's exactly yeah, yeah, what yeah. it is. When I first left. Uh, the, the four-letter network, I was doing a podcast for them. I just wanted to make sure, like, when people were searching for it, Ross Tucker football, because there's actually, like, a oh. sports scientist Ross Tucker dude. So um, <laughs> I wanted to, to differentiate. But anyway, I was hoping to start, Nate, just with your background, because yeah. I, I looked you up. I knew you would play, but I didn't know where and how. Quarterback at UCF. And Wisconsin, yes, from Minnesota. Just tell me about that. So, just tell us about you know your background as a player, uh, how you got from Minnesota to UCF, <laughs> yeah, and then how you kind of got in the media and everything you got going now. Yeah. Oh man, I going back to the, I have a very Forrest Gump type of life in sports, where I've been around a lot more famous people in the background. Like there's me in the back in the background shot in black and white, like having a soda as like JJ Watts winning an award or something like that. But uh, I, yeah, was what my dad was a coach. And so I grew up halfway in Seattle, half in Minneapolis and getting recruited out of high school. I was a late bloomer. I was very young for my grade. And then also just like hit my growth spurt late. So I got recruited late UCF. Uh, George O'Leary was the head coach then. He coached my dad in high school. He was my dad's high school football coach in Long Island, New York, a central islet. And my first scholarship offer, and I was like, hell, yeah. Like, I'm taking it. I'm only like three games into my high school career. Yeah, let's do this. More offers came in, but I committed right away. And then I was a man of my word as, you know, as a, you know that two-star rating got to three stars and more offers came in. And I stuck with UCF. It was an up and coming program. I think they didn't win a single game. I think the year prior to that, that I came, or maybe one game, but it's turned into a great program from O'Leary. But once I got there, I kind of was like, I kind of missed the Midwest. And I kind of, and I started looking around South Dakota State, Montana. And then I ended up at Wisconsin. They told me, we'll have a spot on the team for us. You might never play, which I barely did. I got about 30 snaps into my college career, but it was the best decision of my entire life because I got a football. 401 level course under Paul Christ uh, for three years and got to basically be his assistant QB coach. He basically made me a student coach as I was playing. It was awesome. Brett Bioma learned a lot under him. I GA'd at Pitt, then scouted with the Falcons, coached with the Raiders. And then as soon as I was like, I'm done with football, we all got fired with the Raiders. I joined the AAF. That went bankrupt. And I was like, all right, done. I'm done with all this. And then my media career kind of just came up right as I was starting a state farm uh, here in Las Vegas. I moved to Las Vegas to, for my now wife. Uh, and started State Farm, and literally to start that, started that podcast with Robert Mays, and then here I am on the Ross Tucker Show a few years later, uh, telling that whole entire story. That here I am in media, talking football, talking draft, talking. Oh, I really like that duo concept that Michigan ran last night, and breaking down that type of stuff. But I wouldn't trade any of that for the world. That's also so. Tell me what what's the State Farm thing you mentioned? Yeah. So when I I was like, all right, I'm done with football. I'm not coaching. I'm not scouting. I, I'm not calling anybody up. I'm not going to the coaching center, uh, coaching convention, and doing all that. So I threw some means. Some people I met through football, as you know, you meet tons of people. Uh, they I had a State Farm. I could open up my own State Farm here in Las Vegas, growing city. And they're like, hey, do you want to start your own agency? I was like, yeah, sure. 
And so I was doing that. And then literally as I was opening it, my media career started. So it was like one of those where it's like, I wish the time period kind of shifted a little bit, about six months. Cause I start, I tried to do both for about a year and I wanted to pull my hair out. I, I think I lost some hair. That's why I'm wearing a hat right now. But, uh, but no, it's, uh, I think leading to that. And then I just branched off, sold that state farm. And now I'm just purely media, which I, I I'm thankful for doing that instead of selling insurance. <laughs> got it. So other than the athletic, um, Football show. What else yeah. you got your hands into media-wise, Nate? Oh, man. Uh, I do uh, The Overhang, which is a column I do on Yahoo uh, about once a week. I'll start picking up more in the offseason once draft season starts. And that, depending on the week, I'll do a game breakdown. I'll do, hey, these are some cool plays that I saw this past couple of weeks. Um, this week, I'm going to be writing mostly about the Rams and what they've done on offense this year. And I think what really cool what Sean McVay has done. Um, so, and I've done awards on that. Like I've done mid season awards. So a little bit of everything there. That's why I called it the overhang. My producer, my editor called it the overhang and I was like, yeah, sure. That sounds good. <laughs> we'll go with that. <laughs> and so you, um, just following you, you really like the X's and O's part of yeah. it. And yes. the, you like the player evaluation, the X and O's. You like the combo of coaching and scouting. You kind of get to do both. It's great. like in your media role, you get a little bit of coaching with the, with the X's and O's and yep. the scouting with the personnel stuff. Yeah. And the X's and O's, I thought even when I started, I had a Twitter account for years, never tweeted, you know, other than like go Badgers or like, Oh, that was funny. You know, something like that. And when my dad was no longer with the team, I was no longer with the team. I was like, Hey, I could start tweeting. I'm not worried about us getting in trouble, not like giving away secrets. So I just started tweeting plays. I love the strategy of football. I think it's one of the coolest things in all of sports. And I'm glad more people are discovering that outside of just like, hit them harder, you know, stop throwing it. It's like, well, what's the why? Why did they throw it? And I think that's become, I think a lot more people, I think football Twitter has gotten really intelligent, even over their few years and dumber at the same time uh, <laughs> over the like three, four years I've been kind of on it. But I, yeah, and I just love the scouting side. I've always have, I always used to do draft prospects, uh, all those guys, the Mel Kuyper stuff, even back in 2002, uh, I could have told my dad when Troy Williamson was not the pick in 2005, I could have told him that. Uh, but it's just those types of things. I've always just been around it. I love this aspect of football, and I, I'm so it's so much fun just to get to talk about it. So I have a story about your dad. Oh, boy. Um, no, you know, it's a positive story. Okay. Uh, so I came out of Princeton in 2001, and we only ever had two offensive line coaches come to work us out. And it was, and actually Frank Verducci from the Bengals yeah. was the assistant offensive line coach for the Bengals at the time. I think he was tight ends and assistant offensive line. Okay. Your dad was the only offensive line coach. And by the way, he might've gotten named the head coach like later that year or shortly after that. Pro this is 2001. Yeah. So it was later that year. He became interim coach like during the year. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So, but he was the offensive line coach at the time and he came to Princeton to work out uh, me and two of my teammates. Now, in fairness, my one teammate, Dennis Norman, you know, played in the uh, blue-gray classic, ended up playing nine years in the NFL, got drafted by the Seahawks and was a physical phenom. And my, t my other teammate and I, John Ravachet, we both got signed as undrafted free agents. But I ended up playing seven years. Yeah. And, and, and Dennis played nine. But I'll never forget that because your dad took the time we were all either undrafted free agents or late round pick for Dennis. And your dad was the only offensive line coach that took the time to, I don't know if he flew into Newark or Philly and then drove to Princeton 
to work the three of us out. And not only that, he was very uh, hard on us, but then afterwards kind of told us what he thought. Yeah. You know, and essentially, I, I, I think I remember, if I remember this right, I don't think he thought, well, first of all, he kind of laughed about all of the uh, all of the Ivy League linemen because there was uh, a guy from Brown and a guy from yeah. Harvard. He had Burke. And, and, and his theory, your dad's theory, was basically he had made Matt Burke into a starter with the Vikings. So your dad was like, yeah, now that I, now, now that I got Burke as a pro bowl, now everybody thinks the Ivy League guys can all play in the NFL. So that was funny. And I remember him telling us, you know, that I don't think in the drills he had that we changed direction as well as he was looking at. I think we would kick Nate. And then he would like clap his hand or something, and yeah. then we would have to change direction. Yeah, something like I mean, this is he's like always about the clap. It's always the clap. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. like twenty-two years ago. Yeah, where when he would clap, you'd have to change direction. You have to yep. cut inside or whatever. So anyway, he didn't. I don't think he liked any of. I mean, he was nice to us, but I don't think he loved any of us. <laughs> he ended up drafting a kid like in the seventh round out of Western Oregon, who I don't think ever played a snap. So Probably I don't not. know. <laughs> uh, he must have had a better workout or something, but. Um, he he always rate, had his babies. He loved having the undrafted guys and the day three guys, though, and just going like, hey, let me work with this guy and see what I got. And I mean, that's what the, the long time, like the Jeff Stoutland, you know, like with the Eagles, when they get a decade and they can like actually, you know, build these guys up. It's a lot of fun when you put like actually invest in it. But well, that's now, coaching. That's coaching. Yeah. You know, coaching should developing. not just be it's developing. telling the starters yeah. who the X's and O's are. Right. It's developing. And that's, that's what, actually one thing that, so I had nine offensive line coaches, Nate, in my time in the NFL. There's a big difference a in competency, in technique, yes. in how much time they spend on that X's and O's right versus there. skill work. It, it really, it really is interesting. By the way, before I forget, what's your what's your dad up to now? I'm guessing he's done. He's done. He has been really kind of uh, helping out a lot with the NFLPA. Um, they've had like development programs like during the season, like guys that are kind of like the 54th guy on rosters, you know, like guys that just got cut, but might come back for three weeks. A lot of line, a lot of offensive lineman training. Um, he is going to be start developing or uh, doing some training for prospects and for like kind of free agents or just players in the league right now in the off season here in Las Vegas. He was retired in Seattle. They realized they lived in the middle of nowhere. I say Seattle it was like an hour outside Seattle. They realized they live so far away, so they're like, oh, okay, we'll move to Vegas in St. Louis where my sister lives. <laughs> so we really had to twist their arm to, to really move them to Vegas, you know. So he, he's loving it here. He's, li like, loving the Vegas life. There's plenty of New Yorkers for him to annoy uh, here that transplanted uh, to Vegas. So it's funny you say that because I've had so many former offensive linemen come up to me throughout, their li uh, throughout my life and just go, your dad worked me out. And almost every story, and you mentioned it, you said, he worked us hard. Joe Panos, uh, who's an agent now, uh, and he had a little, uh, little stint in the league as well. He's from Wisconsin. And he said it was the hardest workout he's ever done. He said it's the only time he's ever thrown up from a workout. And it was just my dad goes, yeah, I knew he was in shape, so I was trying to test him. Like, just, <laughs> just to see how in shape are you. Uh, but that's really cool to hear. I, I love hearing from the players that, like, maybe took a little something out of that because I, I think the offensive line coaching right now, there's a little bit to be desired. Um, I think there is a little bit of a – not a lot of work at it right now, so it's nice when there is some good coaching going on. The key, Nate, is everybody just needs to drink more Labatt Blue Light, whether it's friends or family, living life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly beer. Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. I, uh, 
you know, Nate, if all his takeaway, if my takeaway is that your dad worked harder than everybody else because he actually came and worked us out, that's a real positive. Yeah. The other thing I would say, um, this kind of relates to the college football game on Monday night because I tweeted this at Ross Tucker NFL. Your dad, correct me if I'm wrong, was a quarterback turned like big, primarily blocking tight end. Is that yes. fair? Yes, yes. He was a uh, So I have a theory yep. on this, Nate. Okay. There are so many tight ends now at every level, but college NFL that can't really block. Like they, they, oh, they no. can't really block one-on-one uh, -on -one at the point of attack. They cannot handle a D end or an outside backer or nope. an edge guy. My theory on this is I really think one of the next edges in football is when I see a team like Michigan on Monday night where both tight ends can block and can block well at the point of attack, I feel like that is a huge advantage. Yes. Because so many teams don't even try it anymore. Nope. Because they're so bad at it that a lot of times these DNs and edge guys, they're they're like surprised, I think, when they have a tight end blocking down on them when they're in a six technique. I, I just think there's a real edge to be had there. Absolutely. Uh, and this is going to, when I'm grading prospects, and I think a lot of teams look at this, they grade guys that are true wise, guys that can play in line, higher than guys that are F only. And this is something I struggled with the guy from the Bills drafted in the first round, Dalton Kincaid. I, I really respected his receiving ability. He's a great athlete, but it was like, I, he's never going to block anybody, ever. Like you have, so you, every coach that ever has to coach him has to work. Every play has to go, okay, Dalton has to be on the backside. We have to run an RPO here. And I think RPOs are part of this too, is because, oh, why block him? We'll just RPO it. And that happens in high school and college. So these guys never work at it in game situations. I wholeheartedly agree with you. I think a two-way tight end, meaning a, block, a valid blocking tight end that's a decent receiver, is one of the greatest edges you can have if they can play 30, 40 snaps a game. Um, I think the Packers... They drafted two in the first round this year, or in, in the draft this year. Uh, the, Tucker Craft from South Dakota State and Luke Musgrave from Oregon State. They both they hit on both, and they both can block. And it's uh, Tucker Craft uh, was already uh, Musgrave has battled some injuries, but he's coming back. He had a lacerated kidney. He's kind of a okay. I, I had that in high school too. It wasn't a lot of fun, but Tucker Craft has started playing um, uh, the last few weeks. And this past week against the Bears, he's blocking Montez Sweat one on one on a duo on a duo run at the point of attack and kicking them out. And this is a rookie tight end. Uh, that was a round three pick. And they have two of these guys. Musgrave is one of the fastest guys legitimately at the tight end position. And really, like, he's 6'5". I think he broke 22 miles an hour on, like, the GPS testing. Um, and he's had flashes this moment, too. But why I'm saying all this is that they might have found it in just one draft. Because I completely agree with you. I think there are so many tight ends right now. And coaches have gotten more creative with hiding their blocking, quote-unquote. And I think... They have gotten better, but then you watch a guy like David Njoku develop. He can block anyone coming out of college, and now he's a pretty good inline blocker. It helps the whole Browns offense just because he could set the edge on a pin pull or anything. So I'm totally, I'm totally with you that the guys that actually can do it, you know, not every down, but four or five, six times a game when they can actually be valid inline blockers, I think that is a huge bonus. That's why I love the Michael Mayer guy for the Raiders now. He drafted from Notre Dame. It's like that guy's a wide tight end. That's a good receiver. Why? Don't overthink this. <laughs> this guy could be on the field for 45 snaps a game. Do not overthink this. So I, I'm completely with you on this. It's, it's funny because a lot of times the decision makers 
are more into the passing game. Yes. And so they put a higher priority on that, right? Yes. Like if it was the offensive line coach making the decision, Mayer would have gotten drafted higher. But because he, he didn't run a 4-5 or because the, there was a, a belief that he couldn't stretch the field as much as other people do, you know, the, the, the head coach is and, – and it's funny – the GMs usually have like a scouting background. Yep. So they're really into the measurables. Traits. Yes. The head coach a lot of times was the offensive coordinator or play caller. So they're really into the guys that create explosive plays. Yep. So you have the GM who likes the 4-4-40 or the bet good jumping. And you've got the coach that likes the guy that can stretch the field. Shiny toys. And, and the shiny <laughs> – they and so – a guy like Mayer drops to the second round yeah. because he's not as shiny because he's more well You almost get hurt at times by being well-rounded, yeah. which is funny. Well, and when scouts go in or people go in, I'll talk about a lot of coaches, and I'll, I can say this, and I, I'm well, if any coach has a problem with it, I'll say a lot of coaches skim through these guys when they were going for the draft. and da, 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 da. So if you're watching a receiver or a tight end, oh, let's watch his all-target tape. All right, well, then you're missing, if you don't watch the whole game flow of 60, 70 plays where he's blocking, 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 blocking. Oh, he only had three targets this game. We, this guy can't catch passes first. He only had three targets. It's like, yeah, but those other 42 snaps, he was blocking at the end. He's moving up and double teaming with the right tackle, moving up to the second level. It's like all those in-between plays. I get with this with receivers, and it does hurt me sometimes because I'll miss a guy like Garrett Wilson. I wouldn't say miss, but just I still had a first-round grade on him. But maybe I'll have other guys ahead of him. Because I never saw him block. I see his route running's a little kind of wild. And I'm like, oh, well, you can't really trust him as a quarterback. But then the trade-off is, well, anytime he gets the ball in his hands, he can take it to the house. And so that's that's that balance at, like, receiver position. But some guys, that if they block, like Roman Dunzier from Washington this year, like, he's like he, he'll block you. And then he'll beat you over the top. And it's like, those guys are, like, after my own heart. Because <laughs> they're affecting 60, 70 plays as opposed to the six plays that they're just getting the target on. And I, I think that has so much more value than people realize. That was awesome. I knew it would be. I got to get him on again. We didn't really even get into the all-pro stuff. So I'm going to have to get Nate Tice on again to basically finish that conversation. We were talking too much about his background and his dad. But I know you guys like those stories. And so do I, to be honest with you. That's like real-life stuff. Not only real, You know what else is real-life pizza whether you're hosting game day or movie night DiGiorno knows that planning a watch party on a budget isn't easy you need the perfect setting the perfect squad and the perfect eats luckily you're a game time mastermind and you know that grabbing DiGiorno classic crust pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese sauce and other toppings and comes at an incredible price Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. Listen, it's not delivery. It's DiGiorno. Tux Takes. All right, Ross. The Dolphins, they signed edge roster Justin Houston to help fill the void, as well as Bruce Irvin and Malik Reed. Correct. Interesting to see what's going on in Miami. That's a game I'm doing Saturday night in the booth with Kevin Harlan. They, they lost all their – they're down like four or five edge rushers, Jack, four or five outside linebackers. So they're trying to bring in as many reinforcements as they can. They already had Melvin Ingram. They've signed three guys this week. 
Justin Houston, Bruce Irvin, Malik Reed. They're going to just throw them all out there. They're trying to get a pass rush on Mahomes. Listen, these guys all have shown the ability to rush the passer before in their career. They should have fresh legs. So that's going to be highly entertaining to see uh, how those guys perform Saturday night because they're going against Kansas City Chiefs offensive tackles that have struggled. I bet you one of those guys has these decent night. I don't know which one, but one of them is going to be fresh legs and ready to go. Big news, Titans fire head coach Mike Vrabel believed trading Vrabel would take too long and be too complicated. It's interesting looking at the social media yesterday after this went down, Jack. It's, I would say, maybe the most people I've ever seen this upset about their team firing their coach. Usually most people want the coach fired. Not Titans fans. They wanted to keep Vrabel. He will be the rare head coach that gets another job this cycle right away because he's a fantastic coach. I understand what they mean on the trade taking too long and being too complicated. They didn't want to miss out on somebody else. But do you really have to miss out on someone else? I mean, you can still be talking to other people and just say, listen, you're going to be the guy after we trade Vrabel. I don't really understand that part of it. Just like I don't understand people that don't realize all you have to do to make picks is order DoorDash. Make it easy on yourself. Order on DoorDash. Now you can root for your squad. Actually, root for my picks on the Even Money podcast while your food and drinks are on the way. That means burgers, chips, dips, soda, pizza, wings, so much more delivered straight to your door. Totally delicious. Huge fan of DoorDash. Huge fan, by the way, also of Corey Lindsley, which is why it's such a bummer that it sounds like he said he's 99% sure that he's going to retire due to the heart issues that caused him to miss 14 games this year. But he's made a lot of money, had a nice career. You do not mess with heart issues, so I don't blame him at all. Meanwhile, in Jacksonville, they're blaming assistant coaches, a lot of them. Bernie Parmalee out, the assistant O-line coach out, and most notably Mike Caldwell, the D coordinator is out as Doug Peterson is firing coaches left and right. I think we're done here. Thanks for tuning in to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also check out Even Money, Fantasy Feast, and College Draft, all on the DraftKings Network on Samsung TV Plus, YouTube, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. Shout out to myfrontpagestory.com. Valentine's Day, a month away. Get one of these for your SIG O, that's significant other, Jack. They will love it. I guarantee it. You also have backofficeschedule.com, steakhousesports.com, humanheadnyc.com, sportaculture, and the always delicious Pizza Boy Brewing. Kara, if you're listening, get that you should get me. Give me a gift card to Pizza Boy Brewing for Valentine's Day.